Happy day, Rosso Garcia with White Jesus. Hello there, friends. So glad to be with you. Uh, thank you for listening. Hopefully you are feeling God's love through some of the things that I'm saying as we go over them. More than anything, I wish you the very best in life. And most of all, I wish you to feel how important you are to God and to understand that he is the most unconditional father in our lives. We are his children. He wants the very best for us. He's waiting to give us that. Uh, we just have to change a few little things because... Um, he is perfect and full of love and wisdom and he can't give us all that he has unless we desire to be with him and go through the path that he knows will make us happiest. So, today we are going over week 5, uh, February 15th through 21st, and we are going to cover Doctrine and Covenants section 14th through 17th, and it is titled, Stand as a Witness, and it is a wonderful, wonderful um, week to review some of these very important things that happen in having God uh, restore the way or the plan uh, back to him in these last days. So for those of you that are new uh, in listening to us, we are going over a manual called the Come Follow Me Manual by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Three ways you can get your hands on this. One, you buy the actual manual at the Deseret Books. Um, or you can go uh, download the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints app with a little Christus symbol. And do a library search for Come Follow Me Manual and look for the week of February 15th through 21st and follow along. Or you can do LDS.org and again do a library search for Come Follow Me and go to the week of the 15th through the 21st of February. So I love this title, Stand as a witness and I think I previously on other podcasts I've summarized how um, God our Father is the same yesterday today and forever he's never changing what he has done and said in the past he has said today and he will in the future um, therefore if he had a plan 
for his children to give back to him. That plan has existed throughout all mortality. And uh, because we are in this world and Satan is kind of in charge of this world currently, we uh, have not been um, able to find this path or this plan from God, our Father, as easily as we want to because Satan works against us and tries to hide that and tries to deceive us in um, making us believe that there's no such thing, that God is not real, etc., etc., you name it. Um, but know that God has always had a plan or a map for us to give back to him. And he taught that to Adam and Eve and their posterity and throughout all times. The Old Testament is a witness uh, of that and, and a witness of God's love for us. And it also talked about uh, Jehovah and Jehovah is another name for Jesus Christ. So it prepared us to receive Jesus Christ at his first coming, which was when he was born on the earth. Um, and so, you know, and we find his life and ministry on the New Testament. That compilation of writings from the prophets of God was put together uh, in a book called the Bible. And there's different versions of the Bible. Uh, we particularly like, or at least I do, is the King James Version of the Bible. And the Bible is the first witness of God the Father and our Savior Jesus Christ. Within the Bible, we find the map, the truths that will get us closer to God, to understanding um, what we need to do. But one witness alone is not good enough for all of us here on earth to understand the importance of it. So there's a second witness, and we talked about how uh, the Book of Mormon is a second witness of Jesus Christ. And the people in the Book of Mormon came from the old world. Uh, about 2,000 years before Christ, we have the Jaredites coming across in barges to the American continent and populating this area. Great civilization. Wow, they were a mighty people and uh, they loved God. But they also dwindled in um, disbelief and, and wickedness. And then about 600 years before Christ came along, um, we have another group that was sent out because Jerusalem was going to be destroyed um, and those people were called the Nephites and Lamanites. 
And so bottom line, all of those writings of those prophets and apostles in that um, time were compiled and put together by a prophet in the American continent called Mormon. And that is why it is titled the Book of Mormon. But as you all know, we do not revere Mormon. We do not pray to Mormon. It is Jesus Christ. It is only the fact that he put it together and in the best way that God showed him how so that we can have that second witness to now know the path or the map with more surety and more clarity. So every time God speaks to prophets and apostles, and they are commanded to write that for the benefit of other people to read in the future. And so currently, you know, when uh, Joseph Smith uh, prayed to God because he was confused and didn't know what church to follow, how to be baptized. I mean, there were just too many religions screaming at his head. Um, and he didn't take anything lightly. Uh, he read in James chapter 1, verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And he did. He went to pray. And God the Father in Jesus Christ answered that prayer. Now, he was told not to join any of the churches, uh, that he would reveal and um, clarify what that map or plan would be, that it, it would all be restored to the earth because his authority, God's authority and uh, the plan or the map um, had all been lost uh, when the apostles and the prophets um, of his apostles were, you know, died. It died with them. And so that's what we know in our history books as the apostasy of the dark or the dark ages. And so Joseph Smith uh, restored was able to restore everything that God asked him to restore, um, beginning with the first vision and the translation of the Book of Mormon um, and the authority to baptize and confirm and give the gift of the Holy Ghost and then to do the work for those ancestors that have gone before us because God is the God of the whole world. It doesn't matter that some of us died without knowing about him here on the earth. Everybody's going to have a chance to listen to the gospel of Jesus Christ and choose for themselves whether they're going to accept it or not. It's not up to us to decide that. It is up to every individual that has come to earth. So we do what God asks us, and that is to help those that have died before us to also hear the message and uh, choose whether they want to accept a baptism or confirmation for themselves or not. So I love it. God is all inclusive 
and is here and ready to listen to us. So today's chapter comes to tell us the importance of having more than one witness of his work and the Doctrine and Covenants, when, I, when you may hear me say D and C, that's short for Doctrine and Covenants, that is the third witness of Jesus Christ and his gospel upon the earth currently. Um, and those are the writings of the prophet Joseph Smith, what he went through as a prophet and what he was commanded to write as scripture for you and I in these last days. So um, I love the Stand as a Witness um, title of this. And God is going to teach us the importance of praying to him directly and ask, asking him to guide us and direct us on where we need to be in life and what we need to be doing. So it says right here, Joseph Smith's family and friends sometimes asked him to seek revelation about what God wanted them to do. Even though the work of translation was progressing well, by May 1829, the situation in harmony had become more difficult for Joseph, Emma, and Oliver. Hostility from neighbors was growing while support from Emma's family was waning. Feeling that harmony was no longer safe, Oliver reached out to a friend who had expressed interest in Joseph's work, David Whitmer. Dad, David lived with his parents and siblings in Fayette, New York, about a hundred miles away. He had met Oliver a year earlier and Oliver had written him several letters since then, uh, sharing his experiences, experiences working with the prophet. Neither David nor anyone in his family had ever met Joseph, but when Oliver asked if he and Joseph might move to Whitmer, to the Whitmer's home to finish translating the Book of Mormon, the Whitmer's readily opened their doors, and the Lord had more in store for the Whitmer's than simply housing the prophet. He had some specific instructions for them found in Doctrine and Covenants 14 through 17, and in time they were to become one of the foundational families of the church and witnesses to the unfolding restoration. There's also a book called Saints, and um, in chapter 1, uh, section 68 through 71 talks a little bit more about this uh, Whitmer family and who they were. So the topics for today are called, I can participate in God's great and marvelous work. Two, the word of God is quick and powerful. Three, Eternal life is the greatest of all the gifts of God. Four, bringing souls unto Christ is of great worth. And lastly, the Lord uses witnesses to establish his word. So, love all the topics. Um, hopefully, I do justice in going through this. So, Focusing on the first topic, I can participate in God's work, great and marvelous work. So in here, 
I'm going to read from Doctrine and Covenants chapter 14, verse 1 through 4. It says here, um, When he met Joseph Smith, David Whitmer was a young man dedicated to his work on the family farm. But the Lord had a different labor in mind for David, though in some ways it was a bit like farming. Notice how the Lord compares his work to the kind of work David was familiar with. Uh, what do you learn about the work of the Lord from the comparison? And then it asks various questions after we read this section here. So let me read that section. A great and a marvelous work is about to come forth unto the children of men. Behold, I am God. Give heed to my word, which is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, to the dividing asunder of both joints and marrow. Therefore give heed unto my word. Behold, the field is white, already to harvest. Therefore, whoso desireth to reap, let him thrust in his sickle, with his might, and reap while the day lasts, that he may treasure up for his soul everlasting salvation in the kingdom of God. Yea, whosoever will thrust in his sickle and reap, the same is called of God. Love that. It, um, so we're going to see how it is that this, the word of God is quick and powerful. Um, I love the the verses that he says, very visual to me, which I'm a visual learner, and I love that. Um, so it says here, the word of God is quick and powerful. Um, what does this comparison suggest to you about the word of God? So... When I read this, behold, I am God, give heed to my word, which is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, to the dividing asunder both joints and marrow, therefore give heed unto my word. To me, that tells me that the word of God cuts deeply through to the very smallest part in great detail. You know, it just penetrates and it's sharp to cut and go to where it needs to go to get to the heart uh, and the soul of people. And it can happen relatively quick. All we need is one prayer answered, in my opinion, and then we're pretty much on the road because once you know something for sure, uh, you can quickly get up and walk down the path that you need to walk when you know something is true. And so I love that metaphor of being quick uh, and that it cuts. Um, and so it says here, consider the ways that God describes his word. And I am going to read some of the things that God has said about his word, the scriptures, his plan, um, and how they give life, hope, and how it prepares us for what we need to hear and do. 
um, I'm going to read in various parts of the scriptures. First, we're going to go to the Old Testament on Psalms 119, Psalms 105. And this one says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I love that. It lights the way. It puts my feet on the path. I love it. Then in Isaiah 55, 10 to 11, it says, for as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and make it bring forth, and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Wow. I, I want to say that this here in Isaiah is probably my second favorite scripture aside from the one that describes Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. But let's go through this a little bit and find the symbolism here. Just like the rain comes down in the snow and it doesn't return without giving something and it gives water to the earth, that brings forth buds or grows seeds that give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. That is us. We are sustained. We live because of the things that are planted and grow on the earth. Um, and says the word of God the same way goes out of his mouth. And it's not going to return. Once it goes out of his mouth, once these scriptures go out of his mouth, on these books, through the prophets, through the apostles, through the people that share them, through the people that pray to know whether this is true or not. Once those scriptures go out of his mouth, it shall not return void to him. But it shall accomplish and please him because it will prosper us and it's going to go where he intends it to go. The word of God will get us back to him if we heed to it. If we follow what the word of God says. We will prosper. We will bless the lives of others that will know it through us and through our examples. It will put us on the path. It will light the way and it will light the way for many, many that will follow our steps. 
So it's never going to return void to God. I love that. Oh my gosh, I cannot even believe how God gives us a comparison that is so clear and that we can understand so well about the Word of God. Matthew 4, 4. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So yeah, we can eat all the food in the world and the most delicious and be somewhat satisfied, but our soul will never ever be satisfied with what the world has to offer until we fill the void in our soul with the Word of God. Because that rings through our identity, who we are. And when it does, it fills the void and it gives us purpose and it puts us on the path back to God. I love that. And then 1 Nephi 15, 23-24. And they said unto me, What meaneth the rod of iron which our father saw that led to the tree? And I said unto them, That was the word of God. And whoso would hearken unto the word of God and would hold fast unto it, they would never perish, neither could be neither could the temptations and the fiery darts of the adversary overpower them unto blindness to lead them away to destruction. Wow, this is in the Book of Mormon, the second witness of Jesus Christ. Could this be any more clear than the previous? things we have just read. It makes us understand completely 100% how powerful the Word of God is in our lives. It says, it is the Word of God and whoso hearkens unto the Word of God and will hold, hold fast unto it, they will never perish Neither could the temptations and the fiery darts of the adversary overpower them unto blindness to lead them away to destruction. Aren't you and I going through this very thing right now? Yes. Yes. And he's saying, hold on to the word of God. Don't ever let it go. Hold fast to it and you will never perish. And the temptations and the fiery darts will not overpower us. And this is the most important part in my opinion. That it will not overpower us to blind us. It will help us see the truth among all the confusion, among all the deceit and lies. Because we have leaders that are disguising themselves to be sheep, to be those that so willingly want to serve us and do the best for our lives. 
They are dressed in sheep's clothes, but inward are ravening wolves, ravening wolves. And you and I will not know the difference if we are not holding to the word of God. We will be deceived. We will be blinded so badly. I, I believe that you and I will be disgusted when all the truth comes out. We will be disgusted just how blind we were that they would lie to our faces and lie so easily and so believably that you and I could think, oh, nobody could be that good at lying. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So to me, I hold that part so important. I will hold on to the word of God with all my might so that I will not be blinded by the craftiness of the devil in deceiving us so masterfully so that we know the truth and can stay on that path. So my friends, hold on to the word of God. Alma chapter 32, 28, also in the Book of Mormon. This is what we got to do, guys. Now, we will compare the word unto a seed. Now, if ye give place that a seed may be planted in your heart, behold, if it be a true seed or a good seed, if ye do not cast it out by your unbelief, that ye will resist the Spirit of the Lord. Behold, it will begin to swell within your breasts. And when you feel these swelling motions, we will begin to say within yourselves, it must needs be that this is a good seed or that the word is good, for it beginneth to enlarge my soul. Yea, it beginneth to enlighten my understanding. Yea, it beginneth to be delicious to me. So if we do not want to be deceived so masterfully by what is going on in the world, and let me make sure that we all understand here, whenever our leaders are trying to pass a bill in Congress or in the Senate, they give it a title. Do not be deceived by the title of that bill. They use titles that seem like, oh, this would be the greatest bill for all of us to pass, just in the title. But if you read the small print, you will know that it is the opposite of what the title is. For instance, this equality bill. There's no equality in it once you read it. But most of us will not read it. We will only accept the words of the leaders that are trying to brainwash us to believe that it will be bringing equality to all people. It will not if you read the small print. So we will be deceived unless we do as Elma says. Have a desire to believe. Plant the seed. 
Rosa Garcia with Why Jesus. I was just rudely interrupted in the middle of probably the most important part of this topic. And we know that the adversary works to halt us from listening to the word or at least the most important parts so that we don't do what we need to do in getting back to God. So I was reading before this interruption happened in the book of Alma, chapter 32, verse 28. I'm going to read it again, so bear with me. Now we will compare the word unto a seed. Now if ye give place that a seed may be planted in your heart, behold, it fit be a true seed, or a good seed, if you do not cast it out by your unbelief that ye will resist the Spirit of the Lord, behold, it will begin to swell within your breasts. And when you feel these swelling motions, ye will begin to say within yourselves, It must needs be that this is a good seed, or that the word is good, for it beginneth to enlarge my soul, yea, it beginneth to be enlightened, and my understanding... Yea, it begins to be delicious to me. So, if you recall from the previous part of the podcast, this is what you and I need to do to find out if the Word of God that has been given to us with the Bible, the Word of God as a second witness from the Book of Mormon, and the Word of God from Doctrine and Covenants as a third witness, if these words or scriptures, if we desire to believe that's the Word of God, then believe that and nurture it. He says, water it, plant it. And if it begins to grow, meaning if it begins to feel like enlightenment, like truth, like it's feeding your soul, then it must be that the swelling motions are going to tell us that this is a good seed, that the word is good because it begins to enlarge my soul. It begins to enlighten my understanding and it begins to be delicious to me, meaning I want to keep reading I want to keep learning more. You, you, it's like food to your soul. So this is what you and I need to know and do in these last days amidst all this confusion uh, that is going on so that we are not deceived like the previous scriptures said. We are not confused so that we can stay on the path and on the map to return back to God, our Father, as his children. So this is how we find out if something is true. We go with our feeling. If our feeling tells us, I like what I heard, then you then begin to study the word on your own and read it. Pray about it like Joseph Smith did. And God will answer you that prayer. 
and when he answers you will have no doubt that this is the right way for you to go about things and so it says here eternal life is the greatest of all gifts of God so this is the ultimate gift that God wants to give you and me as his children eternal life is the greatest gift of God what does that even mean well let's read here it says and if you keep my commandments and endure to the end you shall have eternal life which is which gift is the greatest of all the gifts of God what is eternal life eternal life means that we get to live with God for all of eternity that's what that means now everyone's going to receive immortality as a gift from Jesus Christ the good the bad and the ugly is how the saying goes everybody it doesn't matter what we've done in this earth we will all be resurrected but not everyone's going to go live with God but God wants us all to go back but we will make that choice ourselves not him he will not force us to follow him and so he wants to give us that greatest gift and in order for him to give us that we must follow the plan we must follow the path that is outlined through his scriptures it says here the prophet today that leads and guides the whole world his name is Russell M. Nelson and he says here the greatest of all the gifts of God is eternal life this it says here um, under God's great plan of happiness families can be sealed in temples and be prepared to return to dwell in his holy presence forever this is eternal life so it says here um, we're going to read verse 7 well we just read that uh, to give us a, a, an understanding on what that means but we just read that I'm going to read another part uh, it says here why does he want us to have eternal life well because our souls are of great worth unto God he does not want one soul to be lost not one of us so it says here John and Peter Whitmer both wanted to know what would be of the most worth in their lives have you ever wondered about this for yourself ponder why bringing souls to Christ is of such great worth and so these scriptures if you remember they had asked Joseph Smith if he can pray to God to find out what they should be doing at this time in their lives and Joseph Smith prayed and this was part of their uh, the answer let's see if I can get there for many times you have desired of me to know that which would be of the most worth unto you. 
And so I'm sure that you and I have prayed to know what would be of most worth um, to God. And God will always invite us to help him spread his love, the scriptures, with others. Because every soul is precious unto him. And so it says right here, um, let me see. Um, it says here, remember the worth of souls is great in the sight of God. For behold, the Lord your Redeemer suffereth death in the flesh. Wherefore, he suffereth the pain of all men, that all men might repent and come unto him. And he hath risen again from the dead that he might bring all men unto him in on conditions of repentance and how great is his joy in the soul that repenteth wherefore you are called to cry repentance unto this people and if it so be that you should labor all your days in crying repentance unto his people and bring save it be one soul unto me how great shall be your joy with him in the kingdom of my father and now if your joy will be great with one soul that you brought unto me into the kingdom of my father how great will be your joy if you bring many souls unto me that is showing us the worth of souls unto god he gave his Son, his only begotten son, so that you and I can live. How many of us would be willing to give our own child for the sake of others? Not many. And certainly I can think of those that go into the armed services that truly die for our freedoms. That is why, to me, it is sacred, sacred to me. And something that demands the most respect from me in my lifetime is to give respect to those people that have died for our freedoms and defending our land and freedoms. And those families that sacrifice their husbands, their children, for the sake of freedom. That, to me, is of the same worth as the Savior giving his life so that you and I can repent and return back to God again. So, certainly... That is a sacrifice that only a few have paid. But all of us can understand how difficult it would be to give our own child on behalf of others. And so that should tell you how special and important you are as a child of God to our God, Father, and our Savior, Jesus Christ, our brother. So the last part here says the Lord uses witnesses to establish his word. This is of uttermost importance. 
and I talked about it in the lot, uh, the last pos- podcast, how the world operates by witnesses, and certainly God knew that, and this is why it's important for us nowadays. It says, the Lord uses witnesses to establish his word. What is a witness? Why does the Lord use witnesses in his work? See 2 Corinthians 13.1. Let's go there. This is the third time I am coming to you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. How many times did he come? Three times. How many witnesses will help people understand truth? In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. All right. It says here, um, when the Book of Mormon was near um, printing completion, God chose three witnesses to see the plates of gold, handle them, look at the characters or the language, to see that it was a totally different language than you and I would understand. Uh, These three witnesses saw the angel that had originally visited Joseph Smith and showed him where the plates were. So he called three witnesses. Um, Those three witnesses were at different levels of conversion. Some later on didn't follow the gospel, even though they had witnessed these miracles. But they never recanted that they saw an angel, that they saw the book, uh, that God showed it to them. They never recanted that, because then they knew that they could lose their soul with God. And so there's the three witnesses. The testimony of these three witnesses is very powerful. So I'm going to read that to you. Um, It says here, the testimony of the three witnesses, be it known unto all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people unto whom this work shall come, that we through the grace of God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ have seen the plates which contain this record, which is a record of the people of Nephi and also of the Lamanites and their brethren and also of the people of Jared, who came from the Tower of Babel, that which hath been spoken. And we also know that they have been translated by the gift and power of God, for his voice hath declared it unto us. Wherefore, we know of a surety that the work is true. And we also testify that we have seen the engravings which are upon the plates, and they have been shown unto us by the power of God and not of man. And we declare with words of soberness that an angel of God came down from heaven, and he brought and laid before our eyes that we beheld and saw the plates, and the engravings thereon. And we know that it is by the grace of God, the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, that we beheld and bear record that these things are true. 
and it is a marvelous it is marvelous in our eyes nevertheless the voice of the lord commanded us that we should bear record of it wherefore be to be obedient unto the commandments of god we bear testimony of these things and we know that if we are faithful in christ we shall rid our garments of the blood of all men and be found spotless before the judgment seat of christ and shall dwell with him eternally in the heavens and the honored be to the father and to the son and to the holy ghost which is one god amen oliver cowdery david whitmer and martin harris so these are the three witnesses that testified of the same thing that joseph smith had testified before but you know, nobody believed joseph they all thought he was crazy there were persecutions against him they were trying to steal the plates they committed horrible violence against him and his family and ultimately they killed him and so joseph smith paid the ultimate price for having been a witness or a prophet of god and now we have three witnesses that testify the same thing he had testified of not only that um as part of uh, bringing as many witnesses as possible there were uh, also eight witnesses eight more witnesses that were able to testify of the same thing so out of the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established God knew that before people can accept the Book of Mormon and the Doctrine and Covenants in these last days, there would have to be witnesses, just like it says in the Bible. And so there is witnesses. So I hope you know that I and every person that claims to be a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we have all, previous to our membership in the church, we were all invited to read the scriptures, to ask God the Father in the name of Christ if the scriptures were true. And if they were true, he would manifest the truth of it all to us by the power of the Holy Ghost. And by the power of the Holy Ghost, ye shall know the truth of all things. That is a scripture found in the Book of Mormon at the very back of the book on chapter 10, verses 3 to 5. And that is an invitation to you and to the world to find out if the Bible the Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants are the Word of God. And if they are, that answer to that prayer will be good enough to give you strength to get on the path and stay on the path and endure to the end so that you and I will not be tempted and destroyed by the fiery darts of wickedness that will be thrown at us in these last days we will not be blinded 
so that we can stay on the path and return to God our Father as he had wished for all this time. And so I pray that you may know that God is ready and willing. His arms are open to receive us if we but find out for ourselves. Like Alma said, plant that little seed of faith in your heart. Water it. Nurture it by reading the word. By pondering what it says. By seeing how that can help us in our daily lives. And continue to pray, pray and follow what it says and we shall be able to receive eternal life um, and currently we will be preparing for the second coming of the Savior Jesus Christ and so my brothers and sisters what a great day to share this plan of happiness that's what it's called and so I hope that you're able to feel God's love and that there is a way to get through these horrible trials that we are going through. That there is a way for us not to be deceived by our current leaders that are trying to deceive us by calling the different laws they're trying to enact into this country by, oh, great names. They have great names to call these laws. But when you read the small print and you read what is in the bill, then you know it's not what they are claiming it to be. So we can only find truth when we are close to God. So that is my prayer for all of us to be able to stay close to God. So this is Rosa O. Garcia signing off on Why Jesus.